Hello mamas and welcome to season 2 episode 10 of Bumped Mum. I am your host Emma and this week I am bringing you a conversation with Josie. Josie is a mum of three beautiful girls and an early childhood educator. She runs the Instagram account Playbase Peppy which has just been for me such a place of wisdom, ideas, um, laughs, moments of when you're like oh my god thank god I'm not the only person that's thinking that she she's a lot of what she does in terms of play ideas with her children parenting survival tips um, and also just shares lots of topics um, and kind of touches on topics that I guess we can sometimes shy away from and and has a laugh along the way I have been so excited to talk to Josie because as someone that, you know, didn't really play with kids before having my own kid, it was a completely new world for me and I have personally loved following her account to get ideas to do with Louie at different ages and stages. So in this episode we talk through everything around like how do we play with our children? Do we need to sit on the mat with them and play with them for hours? You know, do we need to sit there and teach them things or do we just allow them the freedom to play? She also shares with us ideas around, you know, the different things that she's doing with her children, ideas around school holidays, what she likes to do, how we kind of manage, cope, survive all the big emotions and feelings. She shares a lot around tips and tricks for this. What is sensory seeking? What, you know, is it good? Is it bad? How can we help? We also talk about milestones, you know, it's something that always comes up. Is your baby doing this year or that year? Um, she shares, you know, what she's seen with her girls, what she's seen from her career as well. Um, and we also talk through her own motherhood journey, you know, what's been challenging, what she's loving. She's got a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a four-month-old, so it's busy, busy, busy. Um, and this is just one of those great chats where I think Josie made me feel educated, um, gave me some ideas around things I can do with Louie. These are things that come so naturally to her because of her professional background. Um, but for someone that, you know, a first time parent, or like I said, hadn't spent a lot of time on babies, these are like kind of groundbreaking things for me. So I absolutely loved having this chat with her. I will tag her Instagram account in the show notes because if you don't already follow her, I would highly, highly recommend doing so. She also has created beautiful alphabet charts for Kiwi Tamariki um, and you can purchase those through her with um, her Instagram account. There's a link there. Um, but yeah, you'll also have to listen right to the end of the episode because Josie shares with us where she's actually recording the episode from, which I laughed so hard at because just classic mum life, school holidays. Um, so yeah, she shares that at the end of the episode. I'll make you wait and I'll leave you hanging for that one. Thought it would be timely as well, just in this intro, to do a quick little update on where Louis is at, what we're doing at the moment. So this weekend he will be 11 months old, which is just blows my mind. I feel like I always say that, but I said to my husband, look, you know, the next kind of milestone month will be his first birthday. And I really truly don't know how we've got to this point I feel like the first six months like kind of seemed to go a little bit slower and then the last six you know five months coming up six months um I yeah it's gone by in a blank it's been so so good he is such a cruisy happy little guy we're currently just figuring out the breastfeeding weaning thing I thought he was starting to wean the next week, he seemed to be back into loving breastfeeding, so I'm just not sure, but we're going with it. Um, I'm taking his lead. 
trying not to overthink it too much, um, <laughs> which is so hard to do when you've got a brain like mine, but we're, we're figuring that out. It's been a bit up and down, but um, you know, he's loving his food. He's just, I can serve him anything and he pretty much will eat it within reason. Um, so that's going really well. Solids are on. Um, Josie and I actually in this episode talk about the fact that our little Louie's not too motivated to move. Um, he does roll wherever he wants to go, but he's not crawling yet, which um, it's funny because, and again, we talk about this in the episode, but whenever you say your age, I guess the, a, a lot of the time I get this thing of like, oh, is your baby doing is your baby crawling? Are they doing this? And it's like, oh no, he's not crawling yet. And I kind of get this look of like, oh, that's okay. Like <laughs> I wasn't worried until you kind of gave me the sympathetic look, but no, our little Louie's not crawling yet. He's so close that literally every time he gets into like the crawling position and he rocks back and forward, I get my phone out ready to video thinking it's going to happen. And then he just splats on his tummy and rolls where he wants to go. So I get, he is learning. He will get there. He's taking his time. He is a little chatterbox. He's saying, um, I think speech has always been something he's done quite early. Like he says, Dada. He now says, Car. Starting to point at things and like try and make. You can see he's trying to communicate more. So he's a chatty little man. His his volume is increasing. I actually had coffee with a friend who also has a um, who was a seventh month old the other day, and I think it was fair to say we were the loudest to you know we were a pair but we were definitely the loudest group in the cafe and it was kind of that moment of like hmm is the days of sitting in a cafe and having a coffee with your baby gone because they were both just wriggling everywhere and it was um you know it was lovely but I don't know if it was super relaxing um but yeah so we're, we're planning Louis's first birthday gonna have something small well smallish with the family and some close friends in his little play group which is super fun although I think my mum is getting way way into it and there seems to be more and more things being planned each time I speak to her but um it's cool I guess everyone's just excited to celebrate the milestone I know I Luke and I've been thinking about what something we can do together to celebrate the milestone of getting through our first year of parenthood so I would love maybe maybe I'll do a post and people can share what they did to kind of mark the occasion um we do have a nice bottle of wine that we bought on our honeymoon which we have not enjoyed yet because i became pregnant and it's kind of been sitting there it's a special one not just for any old night so we have been talking about whether this is an opportune time to kind of crack into that one so would love to know what you did to kind of celebrate those milestones like the first birthday what your kids birthday parties were like did you attempt to cake make the cake because I am going to I love baking it's kind of my relaxing thing my where I do get creative I'm not the most creative person but that is where I like to get creative so I am going to be making a cake for Louis in theme it's something I've been very excited to do so I will definitely share how that turns out and how that process goes it's going to be fun and hopefully not stressful maybe I'll do a test run but yes so that's it from us at the moment um I will let you get into this week's episode because it is such a good one and I have been really excited I think Josie and I will do a part two because there's so many other topics I want to cover with her um which we just didn't even really get to kind of get into in the time so if you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so, so grateful if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share amongst your mama friends, um, get that this one out there because it is a great one. Follow Josie's account, it is awesome, Play Based Pepe. 
so yeah that's it from me enjoy Hey Josie, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Why don't Thank you, you for having me. It's okay. Hey, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family and your professional background? So I have three daughters. They're all very different. Um, aged four months, three years and five and a half years. Um, I've been married to my husband for, I think we're coming up nine years. <laughs> um <laughs> And I have a Bachelor of Teaching Early Childhood. So, um, yeah, I've with that, I've taught in quite like a range of contexts um, in kindergartens and really low socioeconomic areas and also taught overseas in Abu Dhabi with like the royalty. So <laughs> um, a vast range of um, contexts, which, yeah, I've found really interesting and I feel like I've learned something from each place I've been. Wow. And your... I came across your Instagram account, Play Based Peppy, and yes. I, I have to say, I just love it. I found it so oh, helpful thank you. for finding things <laughs> age appropriate to do with Louis because it was something for me that was a complete new space of like, how do I yes. play with a baby? And totally. Um, so, how did your kind of how did that start? Was it something you just started sharing what you were doing with your kids? Um, I think during it was during the 2020 lockdown when we all went crazy. <laughs> um, I was like 36 weeks pregnant with my second child and I just started sharing on my personal page what I was doing to keep my toddler entertained at home for all that time. Um, and one of my sisters was like, you should start a page where you do this. And I was like, oh, okay, I mean, um, I think, yeah, so once my baby was born, I made a new page and it was just about, I just started sharing literally that, the things that I was doing to kind of keep them entertained. And then I think the more I started sharing about personal stuff, I realized um, how much people were wanting kind of to see more real motherhood stuff. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a pretty open book and I'm not very um, refined. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just share really open stuff and the more I've shared the more people are like oh me too and they feel so much better when you know they're not the only one with a giant washing pile or <laughs> the only one that struggles because it's so hard um, yeah so yeah I feel like now it's kind of become this beautiful um, really open space and um, we have kind of lots of communal discussions about the hard stuff and the good stuff and yeah I just like to keep it real. I yeah I think it's really resonated with me as well because like you say as soon as you see something and you're like oh my god I'm not the only one feeling yes. that and I love how you do the polls and, and like all these random yeah. and you kind of like you answer them honestly in the privacy of your own home, but then you can see that like there's all these other people that have yes. that and immediately yeah. you're like, oh, <laughs> that's it exactly and I think like my biggest thing is like it's hard because it's hard not because you're bad at it and often we feel like if something's if, if we're finding it hard we're like oh my gosh I'm a terrible mom or my child is the worst toddler in the world but actually when you realize that everyone's finding it hard it's just yeah. because that's the way it is yeah so so true so where are you at in your motherhood journey today? Um, I'd love to know what's something you're really enjoying with your three girls and, and what's something you're finding particularly challenging. Like you've got a four-month-old, a three-year-old, and a five-and-a-half-year-old. That's yeah. a busy family. So yeah, <laughs> I'd love to know how things are going in your family at the moment. 
Yeah, so it's um, definitely kind of like trying to calibrate, I guess would be the word, with like the different stages that they're all at. And so Mm. the hardest part is probably trying to meet all the individual needs. Like my five-year-old's just got become like such a – she just loves learning at school and she wants to be doing all this like school sort of stuff and it's trying to support that plus like her – obviously big emotions when she comes home from school and then there's like right down to the baby who like trying to get her onto some kind of a sleeping schedule and trying to just survive you know feeding overnight and all of that and then there's like the toddler in the middle that just comes inside with snails in her pocket and (laughs) she's like keeps us all on our toes so that's probably the hardest part is just um juggling all the different stages but then that's also the thing I love is like the beautiful chaos (laughs) when yeah when we're just all kind of in the evenings we'll be hanging out in the lounge and my husband will play guitar and they're all dancing around crazy and sort of like those moments that you're like I've dreamed of this like this is you know this is everything I've I wished for so it's it can be hard and it can be beautiful all at the same time yeah that's I'm even just thinking so it's school holidays at the moment, but what what yes. is a normal week? You know, what does a normal week for your family look like in terms of like, are you looking after? Obviously, is the five and a half year olds at school, but are you so yes, toddler at home? How's that look? So she's um yeah, so my five and a half year olds at school, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my three year old, because I was working before I had a baby. Um, a three year old is in daycare three days a week. And um, she loves it and it's her space and her time. And I'm a big believer in not feeling guilty about that if you are home with a baby or anything like that. So she has kind of her time there three days a week. And then um, obviously I'm home with baby full time. So it's a nice balance of, um, you know, they all kind of have their own space and then we all have time together as well. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine it's just a constant juggle with like you yes. say like different things they're doing and their different needs I would love yeah. to know like maybe touching on more of your professional background looking at the early mm-hmm. childhood education what when so maybe talk us through with your three at the moment what what sort of things are they doing in terms of play and, and how are you playing with them Okay, um, so the baby literally just lies under the clothes horse while I'm hanging out the washing or, um, you know, she just watches. Babies, they just yeah. learn by watching and so she's kind of just gets involved in whatever we're doing and they might look like they're just lying there like a little potato but <laughs> they are soaking it all up um, yeah. and so, yeah, she's pretty cruisy and then the three-year-old um, – it's the struggle of like she wants to constantly have you play with her but mm. I don't have time and nor do I think it's healthy to for either of us for me to constantly play with her. So mm. I try and set up like little things like in the, at night time when they're in bed I'll set up like a little invitation to play with the Duplo or something like that, that so that there's mm. something when she gets up in the morning to kind of um, direct her so that I don't have to be sitting there with her. Mm. Um And then my five-and-a-half-year-old, it's just a great age. She just can, you know, access her own play and she just has this amazing imagination and she's Mm. fully just – she knows where the resources are that she wants to use and 
she just goes for it. So it's, yeah, the kind of the full spectrum. Um, but it is nice to be able to see, like, while it's hard with my three-year-old, I know it won't always be like that because I've got my five-year-old to look at and be like, look how great at independent play she is. Yeah. So yeah, it's t- and it's totally developmentally normal that when they're toddlers, they want you to be with them or, you know, they need that sort of um, more contact with you. Because this is something I've kind of been wondering about and then I, f- I feel bad for saying this, but I find it, I don't know if boring is the Say right it. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> I find it boring to sit on the mat for a long time while Louis plays. Like yeah. I don't know how I'm meant to be. Like I do find that quite boring. I'm better yeah. with short bursts of interacting with him and then kind of leaving him to play, but obviously supervise. Yes. Yeah. What, what is? What are we meant? Like I don't know what I'm. <laughs> how do we do it? <laughs> yeah. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on like yeah. How do we play with our children, particularly mat time? Because I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure if we're out doing something, I, I think. You're definitely not the only one that gets bored of that. Um, And I suppose like what I do with my kids is possibly reflective of my job and that as an early childhood teacher, you literally do sit there playing with them. Um, But that's not healthy for them or you that you're constantly there with them. You know, you want them to develop some independence. And so it is a, a balance of like you say, you might like sit there for a few minutes and kind of set them up like, into their world of play a little bit and kind of, um, you know, participate and sort of give them a few, like, I don't know, little nods of what they could do. Um, And then, yeah, I tend to just say, like, all right, I'm going to go hang out the washing now. You keep going and I'll be back in a minute. And I love it when they keep playing. Sometimes they want to come and follow you or they get upset that you're leaving. But that's just life. You can't spend all day sitting there playing with them. Um. So, yeah, that's that's exactly what you say. Like, you sit down for a few minutes and then hopefully they're kind of immersed in their little play and you can just sidle away and do what you need to do. Yeah, because that's, that's an important skill, right, is encouraging independent play. Because like you say, like, we totally. actually don't have – well, some people, you know, might want to sit there all day and yeah, play. like – as soon as you've got another kid in the mix as well, like that, that's oh, exactly. possible. Yeah. So how yeah. are in, encouraging that ind- independent play? Yeah, so I think exactly that, just like trying to, to sit with them to start and know, like also just know that it is normal that they're going to want you to be with them. Plus mm. I think like personality comes into it a lot too. Like mm. my older daughter was always more happy to be left alone for longer, whereas my you know, each child is different. So my second child wants you to be there with her more. She kind of craves that connection time through her play a bit more. So, um, yes, yeah, starting with them and then, yeah, I'll literally say, like, I've got to go and hang out the washing now or something like that. And then mm-hmm. always come back. Like, if you say you're going to come back, then do. And just mm-hmm. start of, start trying to sort of lengthen that time away and often they'll just wander off and find something else to do like their attention spans are only capable of so much um so yeah and then I also find if they want to like if if she follows me to hang out the washing then she'll start sort of pottering outside and then that might lead her to do her own thing as well so mm-hmm. we don't need to be constantly scheduling or structuring their play like you want them to really just find their own 
things to do because that is how they learn. Um, so, you know, if they're joining you in what you're doing, then awesome, but don't feel like you should be spending all day playing trains. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that that makes me feel so much better because I was like, am I just maybe not wired? <laughs> maybe I don't have those sorts of like, that's not my thing as a mother that I like. like and <laughs> lots of people do, but I just, yeah, it's for me, I've, at the start, I think I kind of felt like guilty if I wasn't because I was mm. like, oh, I'm, I'm bored of watching my child play. Like, <laughs> but it's just, I think it's, it's nice to know that. And like the more I've spoken about it, people say, no way. Like I can't. Yes. No, and you don't want that. You don't want them to be four years old and still needing you every second to be sitting there with them, you know. Um, Yeah, and my other thing that I always say is once they are playing happily by themselves, do not interrupt them. (laughs) Like, don't talk to them. Don't say, well, that's so cool. Don't breathe. (laughs) Just, like, slowly back away and leave them to it. Um, yeah. Just like, just like, let it be. Don't be like, yes, and interrupt. Just keep okay. Totally, yeah. If they if they're engrossed and happy in what they're doing, then um, yeah, leave them to it because that's that's all they're learning going on. And you might actually be interrupting like a train of thought when you're saying something as well. Plus, you're then reminding them that you were not there with them. So um, yeah, just just let them be. I had never thought of that because I kind of thought like, oh yes, he's he's enjoying that. Like, encourage it, keep going, Louis. Type yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Back. See, this is me. I maybe I need to like just. I think this is the hard bit of knowing of like how much you need to be involved versus how much you yeah. need to like, kind of take a step back and let them do what they just want to do. It's, yeah, it is so hard. Yeah, but you know, I think like. At the end of the day, whatever works for you is what's going to work for your family. Like, you've got to be happy with how you guys are functioning. So, um, you know, for the people that love sitting there playing with them, then awesome. But if that doesn't work for you, then don't feel bad about it. And, yeah, as much as they can just do what they want to do, then that's great. And, like, if he has had a really great stint of playing independently and then comes up to you afterwards, you can be like, oh, that was so cool. Mm. But um, don't say anything in the moment. You don't want to ruin it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's so interesting. (laughs) What about if at the point where baby's not mobile yet, like they're kind of Mm -hmm. just lying there and they can't direct themselves to what they want to do? What are yeah. some ways of, I guess, how do you play with them at that point or what are some good things to do and how do you know mm-hmm. if they're enjoying something or actually just like, because, you know, they can't move to what they want to go to. So how do you know yeah. if they're engaged in something or is it really just not super important when they're that little? Um, I think just don't sweat it too much when they're that little, you know, like a lot of people, I get lots of messages from people being like, how do I play with my three month old? And like, really just, just when they're lying there watching you, they are learning so much. You can do like, um, I try and make sure like a few times a day I've done something intentionally with the baby. So, um, they call it like a serve and return conversation. So, you just kind of babble at them and then take a pause and they babble back at you. And, you know, that's like um, amazing for their language and communication skills. So I'll try and do that. You know, you do that naturally while you're changing their nappy or you just talk to them about what you're doing. And if you're 
finding you're talking in a baby voice, that's totally fine. Um, and then, um, you know, she's got a play gym, so she'll lie under that and start hitting her toys and kind of squeal with excitement. Um, they, and then, like, the big kids love reading her books, so they'll lie next to her and show her pictures. And you can just tell, I guess, from their gaze what they're, you know, if they're looking at it or not. But, um, yeah, don't sweat it. Just, you know, just let them be. <laughs> yeah. I guess they're just literally in – experiencing this big wide world for the first time like yes they stimulated just by life in general rather than totally to- yeah walking out to the letterbox with them they're like oh my gosh look at the world <laughs> yeah and it's always funny the things that they actually you you know all these toys that you can get and buy that it's always yeah insane. oh yes that they actually can just stare at for hours isn't it yeah 100% yeah that's exactly it (laughs) what is your view on like buying toys and things like that when you know birthdays and stuff or the kids see something that they like or you kind of like you don't need that sort of stuff I'd love to know what your thoughts are like that from like your Mm, background yeah I think like there are some things that I think um are really wonderful resources for children to have. So, yeah. like, I would always kind of earmark that for, like, a first birthday present from a grandparent if they wanted to buy something or, like, kind of the staple things, like some blocks and a doll um, that I would usually, like, try and have um, for them. So, mm. yeah, birthday presents, stuff like that. Otherwise, um, no, I mean like toy makers are just trying to make money aren't they so um yeah you don't need to get sucked into all of that there are like you obviously kids could play with a stick or a box or um anything but you know there are awesome resources out there as well so it's not like not like the Grinch being like don't buy anything (laughs) um but I do find as well like um, in terms of setting up your play space for your children that the less you have out the the more they'll play with, you know. So, um, or not the more they'll play with, the better they'll play. Like, if you've got heaps of stuff out, it can just get really overwhelming and just turn into mess. But if you've kind of just got a few things out for them to choose, then they might get more engaged with those specific things. Mm -hmm. Um, We do, like, a toy rotation. So um, there'll be some stuff that I've, like, hidden away in the back of the cupboard and then other stuff that's out for them to play with. And then every week or two weeks, however long it's kind of working, I'll swap it around. So when you bring those new toys out, they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's like Christmas all over again. That's very interesting. And I think I saw something you shared on your Instagram as well about, and it's not to do with play, but it's to do with food, like the less food options on offer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Often in, often in a lunchbox that can happen. I mean, every child is different. But, yeah, I do find, um, I think Hannah Barrett talked about that as well, um, the, less, the less kind of like, like lunchboxes at daycare is not the time to introduce new food. I don't think that's the time to put yeah. food in that you know they're going to eat, you know, and then you can do like the new exciting food at home. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's just made me think of it sometimes when I present Louis, like not present, but like give Louis his yeah, yeah. <laughs> different things. Sometimes he's just picking this up, puts it in his mouth, drops it out, picks the next thing up. Yeah. End up taking pretty much all of it away and just leaving it. Yeah. And then, then he actually starts to eat. So I guess it's kind yeah. of that. 
similar thing with the toys in the mat, right? Like yeah. Kind of yeah. Completely overwhelmed by. Yes. Like too much selection. Where do I start? Yeah. Uh, I feel like my mat is about to be significantly. <laughs> and I'll like, I'll change up. So there'll be like, um, with the girls share a bedroom. So we have a playroom. That's just how we decided to do it. So mm-hmm. I'll change up what's in each room, what's in the cupboard being hidden away, like putting it in a different place. They might play with it differently in a different spot, you know? So, um, yeah. I'd love to know. So say there's a day where you've got the three girls at home with you. What would be your kind of like, I know maybe there isn't much of a routine and it's just whatever goes on the day, but how do you kind of like to set the day up? What sort of like activities would you do with them when you've got all three together? Yeah. Um, I do try, if I know that I've got a day like that, I do try to be like a little bit organized in terms of like, I'll look at the weather app and be like, right, what's the day looking like? Cause getting outside is just a sanity saver for all of us. Yeah. Um, so I'll kind of typically we'll plan the day around the weather really I guess and when it's looking nicest we'll try and plan to get out for a walk um, or like take the girls for a scooter ride at the park or something like that um, and then yeah then try and have like some chill time at home where they can sort of choose what they want to play with and baby's having her sleep in bed um, and yeah, it's they kind of lead the day as well, I guess, depending on their mood. <laughs> their, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's it is trying to just balance whatever their needs are at the same time. And sometimes they might be going absolutely crazy and I'm like, right, we need to get out and get out of the house. Um yeah. and other times they might just be really cuddly and just want to snuggle up and read books. Um if I'm feeling really overstimulated, then I will put the T V on because that is my and my parenting toolbox is um, using the TV for my own sanity. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just kind of, it's a mixture, I guess, of trying to be a little bit organised, but also just taking it as it comes. Mm. On the topic of TV, because I feel yes. like I don't, like I've not done research or anything like that in terms of like what is, is it anything bad about kids watching tv like I don't I don't have any opinion either way like sometimes when I you know like you say like just need some time to myself and I know I totally be happy I absolutely do that but what what are your thoughts on yeah obviously it's in your toolbox so you kind of like actually not that bad and if it's going to help me get through the day then cool or what's yeah. yeah I mean so um I try and like I lo- I'm a bit of a nerd and I love reading the latest research and all that sort of stuff. Um, from what I well, the research that I have read and what I have chosen to apply. So yeah. like, don't hate me if it's wrong. Um, is that it's not so much what kids are watching; it's what the screen is replacing. Or oh, sorry, it's not so much like what that they're watching TV. It's what the screen is replacing. So um, if it's like a really beautiful sunny afternoon and they're inside watching TV, then the TV might be taking away from the health and learning benefits from them playing outside. Um, But if uh, I'm cooking dinner and they're all just, you know, wanting something and I'm feeling really overstimulated and I just don't have the capacity, then Mm. that's when I view the TV as actually the best thing for them because Mm. no one's learning anything from them hanging off my legs, screaming at me. Um, 
so yeah that's when I think it's a, a great tool to use and obviously you can um choose I try and choose shows that are really calming and not super overstimulating um I've got a post about that on my page if people wanted to um see that but yeah um totally I think that it's probably one of those things when I was a new mum that I was real anal about because I was like so perfect before my child could actually do anything you know (laughs) and then um my child actually started like needing things from me more and I realized that I'm not perfect and no one is and the TV can be a wonderful tool and when you need it yeah I really like that idea I think it's because I think it's I don't know I'm also just like realistic that at some point Louis gonna you know like where there's the TV on in the background whether he's watching it or not sometimes in the evening yeah like a I don't want him to grow up thinking that the TV doesn't exist because it does and like like yeah it's from a um but I guess it's like you said, like using it in a moment where like, okay, you can't offer them much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, I really like that. I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, totally. Well, and talking about kind of like that witching hour when everything mm. a little bit chaotic, I would love to yes. kind of go through the topic of big emotions and big feelings. You mentioned you're kind of yeah. going through this with your toddler at the moment. What is yeah. your tips, tricks? I'm not at this part of my kind of motherhood journey, <laughs> but I'm kind of like nervous about it. So anything that you've yes. got, I'd love for you to share because I know so many people want to know more about this topic. Oh, it's, it's so hard. I think, and again, this was something that um, I probably didn't understand, like you say, before my child was at that stage. And also yeah. my first child was a little bit of a unicorn. Like she wasn't one to throw massive tantrums. Mm-hmm. And my second child has really made up for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, she really makes me use all all the tips that I have. Um the biggest and first thing is like learning to regulate your own emotions because mm-hmm. when they're triggering you, because sometimes it is really annoying, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, if, if you can't stay calm yourself, then you're not going to respond well and everything's just going to escalate. So that's my first thing is recognizing when I'm reaching kind of too close to breaking point to be comfortable for me. Um, And I might sort of put myself in time out at that point and like just go to the bathroom or have a drink of water and just deep breaths, uh, remind myself that they're children and I'm the adult and they're behaving exactly the way that they should be at that age and stage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, so um, then it's trying to help them co-regulate. So, Children can't come down on their own. Um, you, you know, like when we were kids, we were probably sent to our room, um, mm-hmm. which really didn't really teach us anything apart from like your big emotions are not welcome here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, trying to co-regulate with them, working out what the problem is. My kind of biggest thing that I keep in mind is that behavior comes from an emotion which comes from a need. So if their behavior is that they're just being... Um, you know, really, really whingy, then what's the emotion? Are they bored? Are they needing some connection time? Are they hungry? Are they tired? Um, So then I can meet that need by offering them what it is that they need. Um, So, yeah, their behavior is them communicating, really, um, because they don't have the words to say, 
I'm feeling really frustrated because I had a massive day at daycare and I didn't get to play with my favorite toy and I just need a hug right now. <laughs> they can't say that. So it comes out through those big emotions. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of detective work and trial and error to kind of figure out what it is they might need. But um, you do often kind of get the hang of it after a while being able to recognize like what's what's the need behind the behavior. Mm. Um and then another thing we do when they are calm, so like bedtime storybooks, we talk heaps about feelings and emotions. Um, in the car on the way to school and daycare, we do like positive affirmations to try and build up their kind of emotional intelligence as well. Um, so yeah, that all happens when they are calm so that you're not mm-hmm. trying to like drum that into them when they're losing the plot because no one can retain information when they're having a meltdown. Oh, so true. So what would be like some of the affirmations that you say in the car, for example? So um, before their day at school, like often um, they might, you know, my older daughter might say that she's feeling nervous about something or my younger one, she might protest even going to daycare that day. So I'll try and meet whatever it is that they've been sort of communicating. Um, but we do like, I am brave. I am a kind friend. I can do hard things, I am fun, I am clever, I am important, um, just anything. It's just anything you want to speak into your child because um, like children learn about who they are through how we experience them and through how we talk about them. So mm-hmm. it is kind of up to us to um, fill them up with all of that wonderful positive self-esteem. Yeah. And so what what about at a point where they're not, like their communication, like they're not able to kind of communicate? Yeah. How do you go about kind of figuring out what's, what the, you know, what's the, what, what yeah. at that point? Um, like cry into a pillow myself if it's really hard. <laughs> um, sometimes there are no magic tricks. Like sometimes yeah. it is just really hard. But um, yeah, I guess kind of like, um, going through the list of like what they might need that day, what you know, uh, often they're just hungry or they need a cuddle or um, they're tired. Um, just yeah, going through the list of all the things that it could be, and then sometimes they just really want some connection time. Um, they might just want to walk around and have a cuddle or mm. go for a walk in the pram or you know, read a book with you, snuggle up, little kind of things like that that fill up their cups. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm kind of like sitting here being like, oh my goodness, like how I just know myself as well. And I know I'll be someone that finds it hard to regulate. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I feel like it, like maybe it was just me and I was like really blind to it, but I just don't remember it being talked about even five years ago. And maybe that's been like one of the positive things for me being someone who like as a consumer on Instagram as well, as I've learned so much about that um, kind of as I've been going through it. And it's been so helpful to actually go, I'm not an angry, shouty mum. I'm just an overstimulated mum. I'm, you know, like it's all totally normal because what we're dealing with is really hard. And actually my husband on the weekend, um, he was like, man, being a good parent is so hard. He was like, it would be so much easier if I just decided to be a shit parent. Like, yeah. 
because you don't you wouldn't care like you you would have just like not worry about trying to meet their emotional needs but you know we're all trying to do better than what we had um and you know it's just it's an ongoing cycle it's an ongoing journey it is and I you, the word overstimulating I think really kind of resonates with a lot of parents because it mm. is and sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, what is it that I've got to do today? It's not that crazy. There's not that much to do. But for some reason, I get this feeling of feeling like, oh, my goodness, like the to-do list in my head. This yeah. And it the mental just, load. Yeah. So I only have I one. Have one. <laughs> so how, <laughs> what are your kind of, how do you and your husband, I guess, work through that when you've got three children who you're trying to meet the needs of all of them you know kind yeah. of time for each other have time for yourselves how do you do you have any tips like you you obviously you, you you you're working through it you're there you've got three kids yeah. some advice you can pass on to us oh uh, like in terms of with your partner the, the communication is so important um and we're very big on like trying to make things as wonderful as they can be. And so mm. that means like having sometimes the hard conversations and approaching the awkward subjects before it boils over. Mm. Um, yeah, just just communication. Um, very uh, With the different kids, it's totally divide and conquer. Mm. Um, I remember um, one of my best friends had her second baby not long before I had mine. And she said to me, it's like I'm a solo parent to the baby and he's a solo parent to the toddler yeah. and I was like well that's not gonna be me like I'm so good at this I'm gonna be fine I, I looked after babies as a living I had you know 12 of them in centers I'll be fine but no it's it was totally like that for us it was divide and conquer to, to try and make sure that their needs were being met um, and I definitely acknowledge that I'm lucky to have a partner who is able to be so involved and you know we can have those conversations in a healthy way I know that not everyone um has that privilege so um yeah lots and lots of teamwork and then also like giving yourself a bit of grace that sometimes someone's just going to have to wait and um what we started doing especially when our third baby came along was like vocalizing to the kids like whatever we were doing like um I'm just helping the baby right now and I'll be with you in a second. And then when the baby's crying and we're spending time with the older kids, we'll say like, sorry, darling, we, we'll be with you in a second. We're just helping your big sister now so that they can hear that actually everyone gets a turn and that, you know, we are trying to make it fair. Um, so you're kind of like verbalizing everything that you're thinking just so that the kids pick up on the fact that um, you're thinking of all of their needs. Um, yeah. And also asking for help and having a good village. That's my, that has been my biggest saviour this time, I think, is just um, having people around to help is massive. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, I haven't, obviously just with one baby, but in the last week, one of our dogs was unwell and it was kind of at the Aww. point where like having to kind of give him water by a syringe, he wouldn't go have kind of like needing full-on care and I kind of had this insight I was like oh I wonder if this was what it will be like when there's yeah a baby in the family because it's like like you say it's divide and conquer although I love doing yeah. things together with my husband yes it's not realistic that no you know, you know, 
which is also kind of sad because you're like, oh, I miss doing those things together. Yes, and I know that's what a lot of people grieve is like it's, um, yeah, like the the precious moments. But then, yeah, I don't know, every stage is so different because I haven't found – I found going from one to two really hard. Mm. And I think that was because I thought so highly of myself and I got a massive reality check. Um, And then this time, going from two to three, I had my expectations so low. And it's just been amazing. And I've loved it because I've just been focusing only on what's important and I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone or anything like that. I'm just just enjoying my kids and it's been a really different experience so I think each each person's journey is so different Mm. and do you think the going from one to two being harder than two to three do you think that was your kind of expectations on your the, the reason behind that was that because your expectations on yourself were lower because of the personalities of babies and where you're at what do you think like like what are the differences? Yeah, I probably like I re- I really probably thought that my first child was the way she was because of me. <laughs> um because I thought, well yeah, I I know all this stuff and that's why she's been such an easy kid. <laughs> and yeah. then um I really needed some humbling and and walked my second child. <laughs> um and so yeah, also like the situation around it, you know, she was my second was born like just after or during the pandemic, like it was 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that was just a wild time for everyone. Um, we didn't have as much help back then as we do now. Like uh, my dad's recently retired and my sister's moved to town. So, uh, we've got triple the amount of help now that we did then, um, which is a massive privilege. We've also moved into a bigger house. So I think even things like that, just, mm. um, having space is such a privilege and helps your mental health so much. Um, so yeah, I think that's one thing I've learned from talking to heaps of people as well is that it's just your individual circumstances mm. probably play the biggest part in it because yeah, different people find the different jumps easier or harder. Yeah, and it's like a conversation I keep having with people around like what is the perfect age gap between kids and yeah. everyone it's such a different totally is that do you because you've got about two and a half years between yeah yeah just over I think for the last one but yeah um and we had planned for them but all to be closer we had a miscarriage between our first and second so I would have had two under two um but that yeah we lost our baby so then we've ended up with a bigger age gap um so again I mean I, I just think there's pros and cons to anything and you'll you know you just make it work with whatever you've got yeah Oh, I'm so sorry. That's so hard. And like, yeah, it's just, I think that's the thing, right? Like you just can never predict. And again, like you could no. think you've got the perfect age gap, but then your the next baby that comes along is just a completely different experience. So it's like, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But um, that's been the fun of it as well. Like, I, um, you know, when we found out a second baby was a girl, I think for a second we were like, oh, that's going to be a little bit boring. But it's been so fun because their personalities are just wildly different and it yeah. just it just keeps it exciting and interesting and hilarious and chaotic and that's the joy of it, you know. Oh, so cool. And do you find, like, like you've mentioned that there is quite a big 
like personality difference between the two older girls. Can you see much yeah. of the, your third's personality yet or is it still kind of starting? I feel to... like it's too hard to call. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, We had a really um, traumatic birth and um, she was in Skaboo. And mm-hmm. so um, at the start, that, that was just all really hard. But mm-hmm. now she's become like in the last probably month and a half, she's just become just real happy and chilled and just smiles at everyone. Um, but, yeah, I feel like you can't tell until a little bit older. I don't know. We'll wait and see. She'll let us know. <laughs> oh, for sure. And so one of the things I would love for you to share, because you've obviously looked after a lot of children, you've got three of your own, milestones. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time yeah. – mention Louis's age to someone they say oh is he doing this yet or is he doing that yet? oh yes and no one means anything negative by it they're just no curious. Oh, yes but, um, what is your experience with like the master you know you're rolling you're crawling you're walking yeah um, do, is i think like or i don't know um i think they they can be good for you know like as in the guides of like your child should be doing this by then it can be good for picking out if your child is way behind and needs some external support but I don't think that they should be obsessed obsessed over like Mm. the the range of what's normal is so different and I always say if you lined up a group of typically developing five-year-olds there would, you know, with no health issues or anything like that, you wouldn't be able to tell who talked first, walked first, slept through the night first, any of that. Like they all get there eventually and it doesn't really make a massive difference. Um, my first child walked at 12 months. My second child didn't crawl till 12 months. And so that was like a massive thing for me, especially working with babies. I knew that she was a little bit slower than average to progress physically um but that was like a really made me walk the talk when I say like all babies develop at their own rate they really Mm -hmm. do and now she is the most physically competent child um you just you know you just wouldn't know so yeah I know what you mean by people that are asking those questions it's like they just want to sort of know how to place them in relation to their own children in their life or something like that but yeah yeah it's quite funny as well because Louis, it will be 11 months this weekend, so we quite often, you know, he's crawling and he's close, yeah. but he's not. He um, rolls to wherever he wants to go to, but it's funny how people will say, oh, is he crawling? I say no, and they immediately go, oh, it's okay, like assume yeah. that. I'm <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm all good, but, like, now I'm fine. Yeah. yeah, I was fine until you said that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. No. As soon as and as soon as they start crawling, you wish that they didn't. So yeah, <laughs> they get into everything. I'm enjoying my little potato for as long as as long as he chooses. Yes, to totally. <laughs> no, yeah, and I, I I was working with my baby in her center, and so all the other one year olds around her were you know walking or nearly walking, and she was still like just learning to crawl, and so it was definitely. You know, yeah, like I said, I had to walk the talk and um, and then she walked at 18 months and then hasn't stopped climbing everything ever since. So <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm in for. So maybe I will just <laughs> moments before. Yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. I would love um, one of the topics that 
came up when I did the kind of Q&A was around sensory yeah. speaking and what does that mm-hmm. mean and is it good or bad and what you know what is it and how can we help and I, I yeah. don't know a lot about this so I'd love for you to share about this point. Mm-hmm. So this is like um, something that other people are more qualified in than me so I don't want to like step outside of my lane here but um, what I would say about it is that we all have our own sized cup for each of our different senses and so some of us for um, you know audio sound hearing can just especially with young children they hate loud noises some of them you know so their their sensory cup for that is really small Um, but they might have the other sensory cups there's also the vestibular sense and the proprioceptive sense which is vestibular is like um, kids that love being upside down and swinging and spinning around and round. Um, so, yeah, my middle daughter has a very big vestibular cup. So she wants, she's constantly spinning, swinging, hanging upside down, that sort of stuff. So she seeks that out through her play and um, it comes through in her behavior and stuff like that. And so that's, I guess, what that question is probably referring to. Um so it's just, I guess, you recognise over time what your own children's sensory cups are, how big mm-hmm. they are, how much they can tolerate, and it's trying to offer them that through, um, you know, the day-to-day stuff that you're doing. Um, so some children love their touch sense. They love things like slime and fluffy teddies. Um, we've had kids in centres that would literally gag at the touch of slime or anything like that so like their touch cup would be really small um so yeah it's just I guess providing what your child needs um for each of their senses and and you know if they need extra time pushing and pulling and swinging and that sort of stuff then you know try and give them that physical exertion somehow Mm. um yeah Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, I, there's so many things I could ask you, and I feel like <laughs> one of the things I've been thinking about is obviously we talk about play and playing with our children and they, you know, toys and exploring. Mm-hmm. How much of that is, I know it's learning as well, but then how much should we, how much time should we or should also be spending like kind of, I guess, teaching them or like maybe that's the wrong word, but around like, yeah. You know, language reading Mm. like what's the balance there or is it kind of all merge into one I think the ideal is to just integrate all the language and stuff through what you're already doing so you don't need to sit them down and say right we're gonna learn the ABCs now like I know I sell an alphabet chart but you do not need to do that um you you know it, it all comes through what they're doing through the discussion like we know that children learn through relationships with people and through play. And so it's just um, integrating that with what you're doing. So, you know, while you're going for a walk, you're talking to them about what they can see. Um, you know, when they're younger, you're giving them silence to then respond back to you. So it's that, you know, the serve and return conversation. Um, there's, yeah, like just... I I am so passionate about just letting them play and all the learning that happens. And they've done lots of research. Like I hate quoting research without actually quoting research, but I I have read lots of research about how, um, you know, if you were to 
have a child that just solely learned through play and then have a child that was taught um, you know, more structured formal learning, by the time they reach seven, age seven, it all balances out and they're all at the same level anyway because mm. through that play they're learning the problem solving and, um, you know, the imagination, the persistence, the all that kind of stuff to be able to then tackle the the more form, formal learning side. But mm. um, it's been really awesome to see because I've, I've been such an advocate for it and now my older daughter's at school and she's gone into a play-based school so the new entrant class looked very similar to just a kindergarten setup Mm. Um, and now she's in year one so it's a little bit more structured learning but still they get to go outside in the sandpit and all of that and it's been so cool to see like she just blows my mind with what she comes home with every day and it's like we never sat her down and said you know, copy this letter, tell me this colour, what's that, you know, draw this shape. Like, it's just all happened naturally. And, yeah, it's it's um, very validating to know that, like, this does work, just letting yeah. them play and just talking to them about it and, um, yeah, not making it like a separate thing, but it just happens mm. through what they're doing. It's kind of a relief to hear that as well because then you're like, oh, like, again, like, talking about this, like, kind of feeling of overwhelm and it's like mm. you don't need to be doing all these extra things. Like, no. if you're providing time for them to play and just be kids, yeah. it's like they will learn in their own yes. place as well. Is that exactly. kind of thing? hundred percent yeah and like that pressure on parents is just it's massive but it's so unnecessary like yeah just just let them go for it and you know in New Zealand they don't have to start school till age six so a lot of parents um are now choosing to keep them in early childhood or homeschool them until six to just give them more time because not all not all schools are offering um, play-based opportunities so um, yeah the longer that they've got the freedom to work things out for themselves and all of that the better yeah and it's so funny you say like you feel bad for not quoting research but your <laughs> Instagram account is literally my research so I'm uh, oh, thank you <laughs> that makes I, me nervous but thank you <laughs> yeah, no, I literally have gone through like I think all the highlights and watched some of them multiple times just like, <laughs> it's so interesting though and I love like yeah their journeys as well and obviously with you know I think it's just nice like you say like there's just been so much more information about it and maybe mm. I don't know whether it wasn't around because I wasn't looking at it having a yeah. baby so nice that there's like people talking about it more and you can just learn from other mothers which is a lot of the time and fathers like how you just you want to talk to people who have done something and it's worked for them right like yeah yeah it's good to have research as well but just also it's just like what's worked for other people yeah and like I think that's you know because for me I babies and young children was my world and so mm. it's been um like a reminder when I've talked to my friends, you know, in the earlier days of my parenting that haven't had any experience with babies. It's like, mm. oh, this this whole world is so foreign to you. And mm. I mean, being a teacher is nothing like being a parent, but um, it's just, yeah, having some of that knowledge, I think probably helped me um, to sort of know what's normal even and know, you know, mm. that tantrums are normal and there's nothing wrong with my child and that sort of stuff has definitely been helpful. So yeah, I love sharing it. I love talking about it all. I could I could talk about it all day long. 
Oh, so cool. And it's school holidays at the moment. So how are you, have you kind of got like, are you got like activities planned each day for the girls or how are you kind of structuring that when, you know? Yes, it is a juggle. Yeah. Um, yeah. This holidays, so actually, well, last, the the Christmas holidays was really hard. I was still working then. Like I was still pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got together with some of my other working mum friends and we arranged like a our own little school holiday program situation <laughs> between us. And so we um, kind of all had turns of having the kids and all had turns of being at work because it is so hard as a working parent, like the the cost of school holiday programs it's mm. you may as well not even be working you know um yeah. so this time because I'm not working I've tried to still help out my friends so today I've got um some a friend's kid over and so the kids are all playing together and it's awesome they just entertain mm. each other um I think that's the beauty of like the slightly older age is that you don't really have to shadow them as much when they're playing they can just go off and do their own thing and they just come and find me when they want food (laughs) Um, yeah totally um so yeah that's been cool that's definitely one of one of the tips it would be just trying to do play dates and sharing the load with other parents um but yeah I'll try and pick each holidays try and pick like something fun that we go out and do um Mm. I'm not huge on wanting to spend lots of money on them but there can be fun things for free um all around the city you know so Mm. yeah trying to trying to go out each day and do something um otherwise often I think they do just want that chill time at home as well like Mm. I do notice towards the end of the term my older daughter gets really tired and you can just tell like it's it's exhausting for them so um they she does seem to just crave like her own chill playtime at home which is great for me um but yeah, it is, it is a, a hard juggle and it makes you really appreciate teachers. <laughs> oh gosh, I really do. I think like now I've had one kid, one baby, I'm like, wow, that would be quite something having to look after <laughs> that. Yeah, and yeah. about regulating your emotions for one little oh, yeah. bathroom of like, and they're not your own kids, so it's completely different. Yeah, and they've all got their own, you know, their own little quirks and yeah I yeah. hats off to I mean obviously I'm an early childhood teacher but hats off to new entrant teachers as well like it's such a massive um like because you're on your own there too you know with an early yeah. childhood you can kind of tag out your teammate they might see like all right we need to swap and something like that um you've got other people to sort of share the load with but new entrants it's just them usually so yeah that's so hard my husband's mum was a new entrant teacher for 25 years. Wow. I have to say it is just a certain person that can do that because she is just nothing, you know, she doesn't, I don't know if she can snap, like she just has. (laughs) She's unbreakable. She literally is. And I'm just like, I see her with Louie and that's something I love as well is like getting her to now like with Louie and. um, Yeah loves just she's someone that can just sit on the mat and play for hours you know, yes like that's her school. yeah but then um, as a grandparent you have the time for that too you know exactly you're not thinking about like prepping dinner the washing no the, yeah like, you can be there and be so present which I think is maybe totally it's, it's a different relationship isn't it completely yeah yeah 
Yeah. Totally. I would love maybe, and I'm, I could just keep asking you so many questions. We might have <laughs> a, a, a part two. A round two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but just on your own motherhood experience, I'd love for you to share maybe what has been your most enjoyable and your most challenging season of motherhood so far. Mm, I was thinking about this and mm. there's not like a particular age or stage in terms of the kids it's all mm-hmm. been centered around like the circumstances like we talked about mm-hmm. before yeah. um so uh, the times that I enjoy the most are when I just let go of my expectations and just kind of try and be present with the kids and have a little bit of perspective like I feel like I'm I'm at that point at the moment because of the um yeah it was a really hard um, birth that we're both lucky to be alive um, mm, with me and my yeah. baby so I sort of have that perspective at the moment of like this is just you know it's amazing getting to be here with them and just enjoying that um, whereas other seasons where I'm like comparing myself to other parents or trying to prove something to myself not to anyone around me but to myself that's when I find it really hard mm. um, but when yeah when you can just let go of all the other stuff that's so unnecessary and just just enjoy it for what it is and it's not like that like enjoy every moment (laughs) like that's not possible because moments are really hard but um yeah I think it's just it's circumstantial and um I feel lucky at the moment to be in this season and I know that soon I'll be in a really different season where it's really hard again um Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I try and just enjoy and soak up those good seasons because that's what gets you through the next one when you know it's really hard. Mm. And you shared quite a bit about your birth, your your recent birth on your page. And yeah. um, how, obviously, that was quite traumatic. How was your fourth, you know, how was your fourth trimester following that? How has it been different to your others? And you've also recently shared that, you you know, this is your last, Baby. Yes, we're done. Um, we're officially done. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, it's official. <laughs> um, how did you kind of come to that decision? And do you think you're kind of just lapping it up more because you know it's the last time as well? Is there a yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot this time that's, you know, I've got a lot of perspective from just feeling grateful that my baby's here with me. Um which totally helps and also knowing that it's the last helps a lot because I'm like I will never you know if I have a really bad night I'm like that particular night is never going to happen to me again like Mm -hmm. that is one less sleepless night that I'll ever have to go through again you know Um, and also the third being the third I think this time like I just learned a lot from my last experience. I learned what didn't work. And mm-hmm. so this time I was very intentional about um, my preparation for my postpartum journey and just having heaps of support and not trying to be a martyr. And um, mm-hmm. of course, not all of that went to plan anyway because I was in hospital for a while. And yeah. Um, But yeah, I think I've just, I've let go of all the stuff that's not important and um just yeah my my other experiences were really different all from each other because my first was born overseas in Abu Dhabi which oh, wow. could be a whole other podcast episode I've been to ask about it but I'm like I'm opening it we won't go there <laughs> um so that was really really different and then my second 
was in New Zealand, which made me really grateful for like the midwifery system we have here and just so much support. Um, but then it was also during the pandemic, so that was really different. So I will never have a normal experience, but I don't know if anyone ever does, like what is normal. <laughs> and wasn't your third in the floods as well? Yes, it was just a week because we're in Hawke's Bay. It was just a week after the cyclone. So um, that made it really hard because the road from our house to the hospital was like taking two hours to drive to. So for my husband to come and visit and the kids to come and visit was, yeah, really difficult. So, um, but I mean, everyone has hard stuff and every, you know, there's, there's something difficult about everyone's journey and that was ours. Wow. Well, I think we're going to have to do another episode because I still have some <laughs> questions I want to ask you. We haven't even touched on, was it Abu Dhabi or Dubai? Yeah, yeah, Abu Dhabi. Yeah. So I think we'll have to schedule that. And, and it'll be nice as well to talk about, I guess, some more other things like toilet training, um, yeah. settling into daycare. Like I would love yes. thoughts on that stuff. So we will have to do a part two. Um, yes. But I just wanted to say a big Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's just so nice to chat. I, as you can tell, I know all these things about your life <laughs> for a while of your Instagram account. Aww. And I tag it in the show notes as well so people can check that out. But Thank you. Lovely. Oh, it's been so nice to chat. You, I was so nervous, but you've been, I feel like we've just been catching up over, over our kids. <laughs> and I'd love for you to maybe just share with everyone that's listening where you currently are while we. I'm hiding in my wardrobe <laughs> while my husband looks after the horde of children that are running around my house. He came home from work so that I could do this. So oh, I'm very lucky. And yeah. To be able to kind of have a bit of, you know, time to yourself for an hour in yes, the I know what a tree I should have bought a glass of wine yeah. <laughs> maybe that would become part of my podcast and we'll start doing them in the evening with a wine yeah that's yeah that's us yeah. for part two <laughs> thank you so much oh no thank you